The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. Vice President, I'm excited. Our young people will be going out, and it's not uh, too late to give to raising money for the van if you'd like to be able to give for our tour group and for the van that we so desperately need. But uh, they'll be going out, our tour group, and they'll be traveling and at different places. I'll have the privilege to be in a couple of places where they'll be singing this year, and so I'm excited about that. Then excited about the college as far as the dormitory and it uh, uh, coming to be. And so uh, we voted to raise money to expand the dormitory, and what a blessing that is. We ran out of beds last year. Hopefully we will not run out of beds this year. We'll be able to fill them all up and, and not have to sleep anybody on the floor. That would be a good thing, or put them in the shower. And, uh, of course, some of the boys need to take a shower, but, but, uh, but, uh, or to put them in the shower. And, uh, but we, uh, we're excited about what God is doing at Lone Star Baptist College. And uh, now we have an online uh, school that will be opening up this coming fall, and we're ready to roll on that and so many good things ahead. And so what a blessing that is. Go back in your Bible, please, if you will, to the book of John, chapter 20. The book of John, chapter 20, if you will. Look at verse 19. I'll read it again for emphasis sake where the Bible says in the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them peace be unto you I want to speak tonight on all in all in first time I ever walked inside of an independent Baptist church. And by the way, I am fundamental, and so are you, if you're independent Baptist and you're fundamental. Uh, I am fundamental by belief. I'm independent Baptist by practice. And so I'm not ashamed that, uh, of my fundamental beliefs, nor am I ashamed that I'm independent Baptist. Uh, may I say tonight that uh, when I walked in first time to an independent Baptist church, it scared me. I was not raised independent Baptist. I was raised uh, Roman Catholic. And so uh, the first time I ever went to any type of church other than a Catholic church was a Baptist church. And it was the Independent Baptist Church. Dr. Smith was the pastor there in Westminster, Maryland. And it scared me. I'm telling you, it did scare me. It was just so odd. It was just so odd. I came from a little congregation. This was a bigger congregation. I came from a congregation whereby uh, we had ritualistic things that we did. Uh, when I walked into the Baptist church, I couldn't find holy water anywhere. I thought that was odd. Why is there no holy water? I couldn't find any kneeling benches anywhere. I thought that was odd. Uh, I, uh, you know, there was no uh, saints. I mean, there was no saint. I couldn't find St. Andrew. I couldn't find St. Peter. Uh, I couldn't find uh, St. Bartholomew. I couldn't find any of them. I couldn't find any saints that I was used to seeing. And, uh, and then, uh, to top it all off, when I started going in, in different Baptist churches, some Baptist churches had crosses. And, uh, and, 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 you know, it bothered me. It really did. Because uh, in our uh, congregation uh, at the Catholic Church, there was Jesus on the cross. Well, in the Baptist Church, there was no Jesus hanging on the cross. So I thought the Baptist church was full of thieves. I really did. I thought uh, somebody broke in and stole, because I thought all churches was that way. So I, I thought somebody broke in and stole all the statues. I thought somebody stole Jesus off the cross. And, and I, I'm, I'm being very honest with you. At that time, I took my billfold from my back pocket, and I put it in my front pocket, and I carried it all the day long. 
Uh, it's not because I thought that it would cause me to have to have extra chiropractic adjustments. It's because I thought somebody would lift my billfold and so in the Baptist church. And so I put it in my front pocket. It's been there uh, ever since. Now, uh, and uh, can I say, listen, uh, it was different. It was just so different. And the preacher got up to preach. I never will forget, uh, Brother Smith got up to preach, and he was excited about what his topic was and so I visited on a Sunday morning and he got up and boy somebody ripped the cord out of that man and he started to preach and he hit the pulpit a couple of times and he spit and his face turned red and stuff like that and I thought well that's pretty exciting I didn't get that in my other church I didn't get that in my other church and and uh, and so I thought that's pretty exciting and so I came back Sunday night see if he could do it again and so uh, he did it again. I found out they had Sunday night service. I wasn't used to that. I was used to going to Mass on Saturdays and uh, when they would have the Latin-speaking Mass, and then I was an altar boy then, and uh, then uh, and the English-speaking Mass on Sunday. And so, but they had, they had church service uh, on Sunday night, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll try it. And so he was excited about his topic again. And then he announced, that, y'all come back for Bible study. Well, I wanted to study the Bible. Uh, I wanted to grow as a Christian. That's how you grow as a Christian is by studying the Bible. And so he said, come back for a Bible study. And so I went back for a Bible study and a, a smaller crowd, but I went back and I started to learn the Bible more and more. Then he announced something that I thought was quite weird. Uh, he said, come Thursday night, soul winning, soul winning. Uh, you got to understand, I knew nothing about the soul winning stuff. I thought that was quite mysterious. I told my mother, I said, they have a thing tomorrow night. I came back and told her uh, on Wednesday, I said, they got a thing at that church that's called soul winning. And uh, she said, well, what is that? I said, I don't know. I had the foggiest idea. Soul winning sounds like Halloween stuff. I don't know. Soul winning. And I said, so I'm going to take my gun just in case I need it because you never know about those souls, you know. And so I thought they'd be floating around. I'm telling you the honest truth. I did not know. I didn't grow up in a Baptist church. I didn't grow up like some of you did. Uh, and so I took my gun. I took my gun. I thought, well, you know, I'll shoot him. He can bag him. We'll take him home, you know. And, uh, and, uh, and so, but then we went out soul winning. And, uh, and they took time with me. They took time with me. And they grew me. Uh, they helped me to grow in the Lord, and they took time with me, and they taught me the Bible. And I'm so grateful for my heritage. I'm so grateful that men took time with me, great men of God, uh, took time with me to help me to learn the Scriptures. I didn't know anything. And uh, I remember when they asked me to fast and pray, you know the story, and I said I'd fast and pray with them, and I was a track runner, and I had my little stopwatch at that time, and I thought, well, if you pray fast, God hears you better. And so I, 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 that's what I thought fasting was. You run fast, you know, it's just, you know, use the terminology fasting, and so I thought I didn't know what it was. And so I had my little stopwatch, and I'd kneel down, and I'd utter out a prayer as quick as I could, get it to the heavens, and, and then I'd hit that stopwatch, and I'd look, and I'd say, well, that's pretty fast. God must have heard that one. And, uh, and then uh, I do it faster and faster and faster, thinking the faster you pray, the more God would hear you. And so when I walked into the Baptist church, I'm telling you, it was far and beyond compare. It was just far and beyond compare. One thing that got my attention, however, is they taught and they preached the Bible. That's what got my attention. I never had that before. And so they taught and they preached the Bible. They would say, open your Bible to, 
I never heard those words before. And so I'd open my Bible and try and find it without being too embarrassed and things of that nature. Uh, when I went to Bible college, I did not go to Bible college to be a preacher. I didn't want to be a preacher. I didn't care nothing about being no preacher. And I had trouble with stuttering and stammering all through high school. And, and so I didn't want to be no preacher. I just wanted to go to Bible college for at least a year. That's all I wanted to do, learn my Bible so that I could uh, maybe one day get married, be a good husband, and uh, be a good father. Uh, that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to be a good Christian. That's the only reason I went to Bible college. And then, of course, I wound up staying, and God calling me into the ministry, and then the rest is history with the rest of my life. I've not regretted it. Not one iota have I regretted. I've been preaching now 36 years. I've not regretted it. Not one time have I regretted it. And I love the local church. I'm so glad that Christ uh, uh, is the one that established the local church. And I'm so glad he established the local church. And uh, so I can have a part in coming. I love coming to church. I love coming to church and seeing you. I love coming to church and fellowshipping with you. I love coming to church and uh, being able to shake hands and hear about your week. And uh, I love watching you make uh, spiritual decisions in your life and drawing closer to God. Uh, I love stuff like that. And so let's look at it tonight as I talk about all in. All in. Uh, notice, if you will, again, how the disciples were gathered together. The Bible says the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Now, statement number one, uh, the local church is a place of comfort. The disciples came together. Why? Because they needed comforting. And so they came together in one place. It's a place of comfort. And so when you get down, it's time to get in church. When you find yourself in trouble, it's time to get in church. When you find yourself depressed, it's time to get in church. When you find yourself in a fearful disposition, it's time to get in church. When you find yourself having a bad day, oh, it'd be good to be able to get with somebody connected to the local church and be encouraged. When you find yourself lonely, uh, don't miss a church service. The reason you're lonely is because you're missing church services, so get in church. When you find yourself persecuted, find yourself among the assembly and get yourself in church. Jesus met them in the upper room that night. Uh, now you understand he was betrayed, John 13, John 14, but he met them in the upper room that night. And what did he do? He met them, he stood there in the midst, and he encouraged them, and the place of the local church is a place to be able to be encouraged. Statement number one. Statement number two, the church is a place, uh, if you would please, of encouragement. Not just a place, if you will, to be encouraged when you uh, are lacking comfort, uh, as I said. Uh, you know, they needed comforting and they needed encouragement, but you can find both in the local church. That's why God said, forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together, as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so we ought to exhort one another. What's that mean? That means to lift up. That means to encourage. That means to edify. And so when you come to church and you see somebody's got poochy lip disease, their bottom lip is sagging down between the two big toes and they can't seem to walk in a straight line, what do you do? You take and encourage them. Uh, you find somebody that lost a loved one, then you comfort them. You know, we're praying for Brother Hilliard. Uh, 
all the time and brother Antonis uh, all the time and Emily there in the hospital uh, all the time and brother York all the time and uh, various ones that's uh, in our church that has uh, a heavy place on her heart and we try to comfort them we try to comfort them and then we try to encourage them if we possibly can now by the way uh, the local church ought to be a place where we can comfort those that hurt I was thinking about uh, Mrs. Acosta today and uh, your mother's birthday was today and uh, and, uh, and she's in heaven now. She lost her dear mother uh, being in heaven. But you know, it's a time to come uh, by somebody that you love and, and somebody that uh, you care about and just to say, hey, look, I realize today's your mama's birthday and I just want you to know uh, that I love you and, uh, and you'll see her again one day. And so that's comforting people. That's encouraging people. And that's what we ought to do. We ought to spend our time. We went up to see Emily the other night. My wife and I did. And uh, of course, Brother Watkins was there. Mrs. Watkins was there. There and Micah was there, sort of picking on Micah, and he could not stop laughing. And but uh, we just had a good time, just picking on them, picking on them, picking on them, and just uh, having fun with Emily. You know, uh, to be able to encourage people. You don't have to be gloomy all the time. Oh, I realize you're a serious person. I can tell that by the way that your face is now looking at me. But can I tell you, uh, you don't have to be serious all the time. You don't have to be down all the time. You don't have to be discouraged all the time. You don't have to drag yourself. Well, I guess I have have to go to church bless your little heart I'm so sorry but uh, uh, you can come to church and actually enjoy church you can look forward to coming to church uh, you can look by the way you can find a gold nugget in anything any preacher preaches if you dig deep enough I know people that all they do is they come to church they listen to the preacher preach and as they listen to the preacher preach all they do is to try and find something wrong with a message well uh, look in the mirror and find something wrong with you but come to church and enjoy the preaching Learn to have fun with the preaching. Learn to be able to get, oh, but uh, I'm taking the, as somebody says, I'm taking the preaching personal. Well, good, it should be personal. If you need something straightened out, then straighten it out. You know the people that look like they're, uh, the people that get upset when the preacher preaches on tithing, normally it's the people that don't do it. The people that get upset when the preacher preaches on biblical separation is normally the person that's not separated. The people that get upset when the preacher gets up and, oh, I had people, they get upset at me for everything. You know, preachers are, are in a, a fix because they can't do anything right without somebody getting upset with them. Have you ever figured that out? If they preach loud, somebody says he's too loud. If he has a little bit of humor about him, they say he's too funny. You shouldn't be funny in the pulpit. If he... <laughs> If he takes and he preaches with a straight face, they say, why don't he ever smile? Doesn't he love God? If he preaches a long sermon, they say, oh, he's just too long. If he preaches a short sermon, oh, he's too short. If he preaches, <laughs> come on. I mean, no matter which way the preacher preaches, he's going to have a critic somewhere. Now, when, you, when you've been at it a long time, you just realize that. And you realize that people that are critics are normally people that are uh, having trouble with themselves. And so they got to bring somebody into their sad state of position uh, or disposition. 
Now, can I say this? Watch this, if you will. A church is a place to be able to receive comfort. Church is a place to be able to receive encouragement. Uh, uh, you ought to be glad that you're in the house of God. You ought to be glad that you're in church. You ought to be glad that God is working inside of your heart. Uh, uh, Old-time preaching uh, used to stir people's hearts to the point and to the place where they were uh, uh, felt like they were forced by the Holy Ghost of God to make a decision. But now today, uh, everybody wants to ear tickled and everybody uh, oh you gotta preach on the love of God and, and uh, uh, don't name sin because if you name sin somebody's gonna get mad somebody said well if the independent Baptist churches are so great why is it that they're not running tens of thousands well I'll tell you why because most people don't like you preaching about things that they're doing that they should not be doing we, we can cut out the preaching about the smoking and the doping we can uh, 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 cut out the preaching about living in adultery and committing fornication. We can cut out preaching against the devil's music. We can cut out preaching about not obeying your parents. We can cut out this and cut out that. Oh, and we can bring some girls up here. It's got the real short skirts, and when they walk, you can see their fanny waving in the air. Uh, we can bring them out here, and they can wiggle here and wiggle there. Oh, yeah, somebody will come to watch them wiggle. Uh, we can go ahead and uh, we can take and uh, have social clubs. Uh, we can do all sorts of stuff. But can I tell you, uh, what's going to grow you is the teaching uh, and the preaching uh, of the Word of God. I'm saying this tonight. I'm saying the church is a place of comfort. The church is a place of encouragement. Uh, the church is a place to give her tithes and offerings. Oh, I hope you can find your way to be a cheerful giver. Now, by the way, he will take the money of any old grump. But it'd be nice if you enjoyed putting it in. Might encourage somebody if you enjoy putting it in. You know, the Bible talks about uh, in Malachi, and of course you know it very, very well. But let me read this over in 1 Corinthians before we turn there. Chapter 6 and verse 1. Now concerning the collection of the saints as I have given order to the churches. So he's talking to the local church here, the church at Corinth. And he said, I gave this order to the churches of Galatia. The Bible says here, uh, even so do ye. So he's saying this is for local churches. Upon the first day of the week, uh, let every one of you lay up by him in store as God has prospered him. And there'd be no gatherings when I come. So he's saying, upon the first day of the week, so we say, hey, bring your tithes, bring your offerings. Uh, there's a scriptural principle for you to obey. Bring them to the local church. By the way, don't send them, bring them. Amen. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says over in Malachi, you know it well, chapter 3, verses uh, 7 and on. So the Bible says, even in the days of your fathers have you gone from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you have said... Listen, wherein shall we return? So they said, well, how, or have we strayed from you? I mean, we're supposed to return, but you tell us now, God, where have we strayed from you? Where are we supposed to return to? The Bible says, well, man, rob God, and you've robbed me. Uh, but you say, wherein have we robbed thee? And he says, in tithes and uh, offerings. Boy, it's a bad thing to rob a store. It's worse to rob God. It's a bad thing to rob a bank, but it's worse to rob God. 
The Bible says you're cursed with a curse. See, the bank owner, the bank teller, the bank president's not going to curse you with a curse. But God says, you rob me, I'll curse you with a curse. He says, you're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. I never did understand that until I studied it a little bit, pays to study your Bible. How is it that you rob a whole nation? Well, in the New Testament times, you'll see that they robbed the whole nation. Now, because they stifled the gospel, they stifled the gospel. Uh, when a person robs from God, doesn't pay the tithe, doesn't get an offering, the missions, they stifle the gospel. People are not going to get saved, uh, even in your own nation. He says, bring ye all the tithes in this storehouse that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now therewith, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will not open the windows, plural, of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And watch this. He said, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and ye uh, shall not, he shall not destroy the fruits of your grace. Neither, it says, your vine uh, cast her fruits before the time of the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all the nations shall call you blessed, for they are delightsome land, uh, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, watch this, if you will. So God says this. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sake. Uh, so uh, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, stand up, if you will. All of a sudden, he gets some money. And uh, as he gets some money, uh, he has a choice what to do with that money. Uh, he can take that money that uh, God gives him. Let's say that God gives him $100. And so he can take that money. He can stick it in his pocket. Or he can say, look, before I get you too used to it, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give God uh, uh, at least 10%, and I've got some other designations that I want to do. I want to give an offering to missions, uh, and it might even add up to 25% of what he got. And so he gives that back to God. Now, here's what God does. God looks down from heaven and says, you did that. I'll bless you for that. By the way, uh, tithing is kindergarten giving. Tithing is what you uh, owe to God, uh, uh, and so that keeps you out of trouble. But uh, uh, when you give an offering above the tithe, that's where the blessing comes in. So, uh, so now you give a tithe, and then you give an offering above your tithe. When you do that, oh, I tell you what, uh, God says over in the book of Proverbs, chapter 9, I believe, and verse 7, it says that when you give of your first fruits, that he'll fill your barns. He'll fill your barns. You know, I worked on a farm. It was a sad day when the barn was empty. You know why? That meant the work was right around the corner. We're about to get it. But it was a good day when we walked into the barn and all the hay lofts were filled with hay. It was a good day when we went down to the corn bin and all the corn bins were filled with corn. It was a good day when we went over uh, to where they kept the wheat and all the wheat fillings were right where they're supposed to be. That was a good day. And God says, if you keep me first and you will do what you're supposed to do when it comes to tithes and offerings, he said, I'll make sure that your barns are filled. Now watch this, if you will. Thank you. Be seated. And so the church is a place of comfort. The church is a place of encouragement. The church is a place of tithes and offerings. The place of maturity. The church is a place of maturing. Listen to it. And by the way, this tells we, us how we know you're mature. The Bible says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. He says, why did he do that? For the perfecting of the saints. The word perfecting, if you look it up, it means maturing. It says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The word edifying means building up. 
So God says, uh, I gave you some uh, uh, preachers, uh, pastors, if you will, teachers even, and uh, those alike, even evangelists that come through. He said, I gave them to you to mature you uh, so that you can do the work of the ministry. So how is it that we judge if somebody's mature or not? Are they doing anything for God? Are they doing the work of the ministry? Uh, if they're not doing the work of the ministry, then they're probably not mature. Because God said the whole reason to mature them is so that they can serve God, so that they can do the work of the ministry. And if they're not doing the work of the ministry, it's probably because they're not mature. So let me ask you, how are you serving God? How are you serving? God saved you not to sit. The old preacher said God saved you to get up and get. So God did not save you to sit around. Well, I come to church to be fed. You're already fat and fluffy. You're not supposed to come to church to be fed. You're supposed to come to church to get nutrition so that you can go and feed somebody else and grow them to the point, to the place where they can go and serve God who they're supposed to serve. Oh, you say you're wanting everybody to work a bus route. No, there's many more things you can do in the church uh, than a bus route. Oh, you want everybody to sing in the choir. No, there's many more things you can do than sing in the choir. Oh, you want everybody to be a Sunday school teacher. Oh, no, there's many more things you can do uh, uh, other than be a Sunday school teacher. Oh, you're wanting everybody to work in the nursery. Oh, that's right, no. But uh, 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 there's many more things you can do than just working in the nursery. Uh, you want everybody to be an altar worker and a salt wetter. Oh, you know, if our church only had those things, we'd be in a pretty sorry state. But we have 50, 60, 70 different ministries here to plug into. You can pretty well pick and choose like going into a grape uh, vineyard and picking all the grapes you want and you're still not going to run out. Now I'm saying this, uh, but you ought to do something. Do something. Don't just sit in the pew and look pretty. That's not working. Decide to do something. Uh, get up and uh, shake somebody's hand. Be an usher. Sing in a choir. Work in a nursery. Hey, uh, go teach a Sunday school class. By the way, here's what I find out to be true. I'm telling you, it's very true. I'm telling you, it's very true. The people that only come to church and they're members only, they don't have a place to serve normally, don't get mad at me when I say this, but normally don't stay around. Check it out. I've been your pastor for over nine years. I've seen people come. And I've seen people go. By the way, watch this. I've seen people that used to be that is no more. But before they was no more, that's before they became is no more. But before they was no more, they dropped this, they dropped this, they backed out of this, they backed out of the. I'm weary of people, and I'm leery of people that say, oh, I need to stop this, and I need to stop that, and I need to stop this, I need to get out of that. When you start unplugging, eventually you will be unplugged. You need a ministry that would keep you accountable. Oh, you say, not me. I make it just good. Let me check out your church attendance. Let me check out your tithing. Let me check out uh, how faithful you are. You start unplugging, and eventually you'll be unplugged. Then what happens is you come, to, you come to church because you think that you're doing God a favor. God don't need your type of favor. 
Now, I'm saying this. I'm saying that uh, we ought to be people that just decide uh, that uh, we're going to mature. Why? For the work of the ministry. Now, how long do you do the work of the ministry? The Bible says, till we all come together in that same scripture, till we all come together in the unity of the faith, it says, and uh, of the knowledge of the Son of God, uh, unto the perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, uh, that henceforth, that henceforth, that henceforth uh, be no more... Uh, children tossed to and fro carried about with every wind of doctrine by slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive so God says this God says uh, hey uh, uh, he said I've given you some uh, pastors and I've given you some teachers to mature you to do the work of the ministry uh, so and you're supposed to do it until Jesus comes uh, and if you don't do it until Jesus comes here's what's gonna happen uh, you'll be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine see if you don't plug into a place that teaches sound doctrine I've got news for you you're gonna plug into a place that teaches unsound doctrine we've got people who used to be members here I said used to be we got people who used to be members here and they came across some internet site and they got hooked in to some false doctrine and now they don't want nothing to do with real doctrine and shame on them but what happened was they connected into false doctrine and false doctrine led them to a false church I'm saying this tonight I'm saying the church is a place of comfort it's a place of encouragement it's a place to bring you tithes and offerings it's a place of maturity let me continue I'm almost done the church is a place to inspire you to go soul winning now we're not all on equal levels when it comes to soul winning I realize that I, I do realize that I realize that we all have different personalities <laughs> it's true uh, you ever look at somebody that uh, mm, has a different personality than you do and you want to be like them because you're not satisfied with you have you ever done I've done that don't don't look at me so pious I've done that you look at somebody and they're always laughing and cheerful and happy and you think oh I wish I could be like that well you can always improve your looks you can always improve your smile. You can smile when you want to. But now, wait a minute. Watch this, though. Uh, they made a choice. You make a choice. Everybody makes choices. But there's nothing wrong if you walk around and don't smile much. We need serious-looking people, too. Now, thank God there's happy-looking people. There's serious-looking people. There's sad-looking people. I've seen sad-looking people. I mean, they walk around all the time. They look sad. They look like somebody stole their cat. Man, if somebody stole my cat and I had a cat, I'd rejoice. Yeah. 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 What I'm saying is they're sad people. They, they look like they're not happy about nothing. They look like somebody stole something from them. They look like somebody uh, committed some federal offense against them. They look like that the government told them they owed more taxes. They're just sad. Now, can I tell you this, that the church is a place to inspire soul winning. Uh, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. The Bible says, go ye. Uh, you don't have to think that. That's talking about you. 
Go ye, uh, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them, Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You know, here in the Dallas metro, there were some preachers that just, I don't know, maybe they wanted to be glorified kings or something. I had the foggiest idea, stupid as could be. But the, they started baptizing people, name of the Father, name of the Son, and then they'd insert the pastor's name. Oh, they called themselves bishops, you know. Uh, but they'd say, name of the Father, name of the Son, name of the bishop, whatever his name was. Uh, that's not scriptural. Amen. Don't take from God's glory. Amen. Name of the Father, name of the Son, name of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Leave it there. All right? Now, wait a minute. And it says uh, here, uh, teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I command you. And so God says this. God says that we ought to go soul winning. Now, everybody's at different levels. Uh, somebody passes out tracks like running water. Uh, other people can't remember to get a track out of the track rack if it saved their soul. They'll walk past it unless a track jumps out and says, take me. They're not going to do it. I know that. Uh, other people, you know, soul winners are different. You know, uh, I've been out soul winning with a score of people. Yes, even from our church. And, and some would go out and they knock. You can't hear them. You can't hear them even if uh, you're the termite in the door. You can't hear them. I've been with other people and boy, are they aggressive. I mean, you can, when they get out of the car, they scare me. Because when they get out, I'm serious. When they get out of the car, it's like they're, they're getting ready for a boxing match. I had a guy not too long ago, he got out of the car, and he's going like this. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm warming up. I said, don't hit me. We're on the same team. Now, now everybody's different. I met people that are shy. I'm telling you. I met people, and they've been soul winning for years, and I'll take them out soul winning, and they'll say, preacher, do you mind if you do all the talking? I said, don't you talk? Well, I just prefer you to do all the talking. Okay, that, that's fine. But I'd like to learn something from you. You can't. I'd rather learn from you. Okay, well, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, I met all sorts of people. I met one guy, took him out, sold from our church, and he knocked, and he talked to somebody, and I thought, okay, it's my turn. He's got it down. He knows how we do it around here. And that is you talk to somebody. When you get to talk to somebody, it's somebody else's turn. That way everybody gets to talk. Oh, this guy, you know, he, I took, a, I took him out. So he, he knocked, he talked to somebody, and, uh, and he said, oh, that was just so good. Wasn't that good? I said, that was just super. And so we walked to the other door. He jumped in front of me. He knocked the door. <laughs> somebody came to the door. He talked to him. He said, oh, man. He said, I'm on fire. I said, I can tell. So I just became kind of like the solid partner. All right? Everybody's different. Everybody's different. Now, uh, I, I like to talk to people, but I'll be honest with you, I like giving out tracks. I mean, it's just who I am. I like it. I like it. I don't, I'm not on a guilt trip. It doesn't make me feel bad if I don't give out a track. But most of the time, I'm giving out tracks. You know, I'm in a restaurant. It's time to leave. I'll just hit people up all the time. I say, hey, I'm pastor at Parkside right over here. By the way, on the back right there, it tells you how you can know for sure you're going to go to heaven. Read that. That's the most important thing you could ever read in your life. You have a good day. Hope you enjoy your meal. And I'll just go on. And sometimes somebody will say, really? Can you sit down and talk with me? Well, sure I can. Sure I can. And so, you know, and we'll take time. We'll talk to people. But I, I like passing that track. Now, that's not the only way I go soul winning. 
I'll put in, oh, I guess uh, oh, uh, that 10 hours a week going soul winning and talking to people about Christ. And I, I enjoy it. I enjoy talking to people about Christ. Uh, by the way, are you listening to me? Uh, people are just different. Now, you just take and, and you let God use you. Uh, one of the missionaries told me, said, Pastor, why don't you take a selfie with everybody you lead to Christ? I tried that, but sometimes I forget. It's like, you know, I even forget to take a picture of me and my own sons. I forget. I told Jared, we were camping the other day, and I said, buddy, do me a favor. Can you remind me for us to get a selfie? Uh, by the way, it's different. And since you come from the Philippines and you're here visiting, thank you. But uh, it's different in the Philippines. You got a phone? Here, here's how it is in the Philippines. Let me show you. You see you four guys right there? When I hold this up, you rush me. You ready? Ready? All right. I'm up here trying to get a selfie. Come here, Doc. I'm up here trying to get a selfie of, of uh, I say, you want a selfie? Want a selfie? Sure. He says, sure. I hold it up. That's the way it is. Isn't it true? That's the way it is. Yeah, one more, one more. Give me one more, one more. All right? You hold that up, and Americans, people are like, ooh. Or, or they'll, they'll come up to you, and they'll go, eh. You know, and they, they try and barge in. But now, I'm saying this. I'm saying uh, people do soul winning differently. They do. They do soul winning differently. Now, thank God for everybody who goes soul winning. Thank God for them. Uh, some people, they don't do door knocking. They go people knocking. Now, I don't mean to knock them out, then. <clears throat> but they don't, they don't go door knocking. They just, you know, if they're living, they're breathing, they're human, they stop them, they talk to them. That's good. By the way, you ought to do as much as you possibly can, and you ought to be growing in your soul winning. See, soul winning will keep you out of trouble. You show me a pastor that's a soul winner, and I'll show you somebody that's in love with people and loves the ministry. And it, very rarely will he get down because he's always trying to reach somebody else that's uh, needing help. So he doesn't get down as much as others that are non-soul winners. Because he doesn't have his eyes on himself and his problems. He's always putting his eyes on somebody else. Some of the biggest things you could ever do in your life, uh, one, of the, one of the smartest things you could ever do in your life is uh, stop thinking about you so much. You're not all that important anyway. And start thinking about somebody else and go soul winning. Talk to somebody else about Christ. You know, so we, 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 I had a teenager said, well, I'm just not sure if I believe uh, in God. I said, you read your Bible? He said, no. I said, do you go out and tell others about Christ? No. I said, you're a selfish individual, aren't you? I said, if you start reading your Bible and you start going out and telling others about Christ, you'd be amazed how God would take that little bitty faith that you've got that's in the kindergarten department and grow it up. Because God will bring you across people that would challenge your faith and it would challenge you to get in your Bible because God is true. And it would challenge you to get, you, uh, get a hold of God and watch God answer prayer. All right, then go over. <laughs> Statement number one, I said, a place of comfort, a place of encouragement, a place of giving tithes and offerings, a place of maturing the saints, a place of being inspired for soul winning. I'll give you one last one. Here it is. A place of fellowship and to take the Lord's Supper and pray. Place of fellowship, take the Lord's Supper and pray. Uh, here it is, last two verses I read. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. The Bible says, They that gladly received this word were baptized, and the same day was added unto them about 3,000 souls. 
And uh, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. The word fellowship means communion. They are communing together. And uh, by the way, years ago, uh, people would come to church and they would come to church to get in church. And now people come to church to pay their dues, maybe, and then to get out of church. You know, um, we didn't have uh, any outside influences. And you might think uh, that our family is... Uh, a, 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 a little bit different but we wanted to get to know the Lord and we wanted to serve the Lord we wanted to instill that in our children so we didn't have an outside television until uh, the kids had graduated from high school we didn't do that at all why uh, we didn't want the television to control us we didn't want that we just didn't want it you know come and sit and watch that one I eat it we didn't want that we, we wanted to be able to spend family time we want our children to be able to think. Even if it's just playing a board game, they were forced to think. Hello? Now, I, I'm saying this, but you know, uh, here's the deal. You, you know, it is so important for us to understand that uh, uh, being able to spend time fellowshipping together. It's good to fellowship together. Oh, come on. Some of you came to Bible college, had to live in the dorm, and you weren't allowed to have a television in the dorm. You'd probably not survive. You'd probably, you'd probably die. <laughs> you know? Now, now, can I tell you this, though? Can I tell you that uh, a church is a good place? It's a good place to, for comfort. It's a good place for encouragement. It's a good place to be able to give the tithes and offerings. It's a good place to mature. It's a good place to be inspired for soul winning. It's a good place to be able to have fellowship, the Lord's Supper, and uh, being able to learn the Bible and pray. It's a good place. You know, can I tell you what a healthy church is? <clears throat> Watch this. Healthy church is this. All of a sudden, when preacher gets done, and I'm almost done. I said almost done. But when the preacher gets done, people stay around. I had somebody tell me this is months and months and months and months ago. They said, well, I tell you what, I just don't have any friends. I said, well, you come late and you sit in the balcony. Yeah. And then when the invitation's given, you sneak out. Yeah. If you're not around, how do you expect to have friends? Sure. Now I realize somebody... Uh, some people like to sit in the balcony because you think it's a better view because you can see the pastor better and you ought to want to see me better. <laughs> but if you're having trouble with fellowship and friendship, come downstairs uh, during the dismissal time and stand out in the lobby and shake hands and grin like a beaver. You ever see people get mad at the preacher? Have you ever done it? I'm not going to get Brother Bachman up here. He illustrates way too well. Yeah. Yeah. But they won't look the preacher in the face. They won't smile. They won't do nothing. They just mad at the preacher. Then I see people that don't get mad at the preacher. Matter of fact, they want to eat the preacher up. They want to hug him. They want to, you know, they want to give him high five in Jesus. They want to stand around. They want to talk forever. And we talk about nothing, but we, we enjoy our trip. <laughs> now, can I tell you, listen, uh, you know, healthy churches when people just like to stay around. Just stay around, talk. 
By the way, you're not going to do nothing when you get home. What are you going to do? Watch Andy Griffith reruns? I mean, what in the world are you going to do? You know, you, you're going to go uh, in your garage and uh, clean it? We, you can only wash your clothes so many times a week. I mean, what are you going to do? I'm going to go home and clean my kitchen. Well, if you don't keep up with it, it's not, you, 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 it ain't going to work. I'm saying this. I'm saying that uh, church is a great place for many reasons. If I were you, I'd plug into it and just enjoy the trip. Father, bless Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.